0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Hollywood Podcast, covering the latest in film, TV, streaming, and social media. I'm your host, Max Geshwind. Stay tuned for today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's show. And for today, I'm excited to have as my guest, Lorenzo Yerby. Lorenzo can be seen as lucky in Vertical's newest film, The 24th, available to stream right now on video on demand. The film tells the true story of the Houston riot of 1917 and stars Trey Byers, uh, Aja, Naomi King, Mo McRae, and Thomas Hayden Church. Producer Alexandra Milchin says Lorenzo is the heart of the film, and this breakout role has been compared to that of Lupita Nyong'o's in 12 Years a Slave. Um, Lorenzo certainly is not just an actor. He wears many different caps, including being a director, screenwriter, producer, composer, cinematographer, the list goes on. Um, And the Miami-born actor currently resides in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, Lorenzo, thanks so much for coming on the show today.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. Um, now, before we get into your career, I just I have to ask because, you know, we're living in such an uncertain time right now with COVID. How has quarantine been like for you these past few months, both on a personal and on a professional level?
1: Um, it has its ups and downs. It's been OK for me, though, because mainly um, as of right now, you know, I'm an actor, but I'm also a screenwriter. So it's given me a lot of downtime to work on some of the screenplays that I have been writing and. So um, to be honest, when I turn on the writer's hat, I really don't notice it as much. Right. <laughs> but um, so, you know, I just try to find the uh, the best in the situation.
0: That's great that you're still able to make it feel like it's normal and just focus on your writing now in the meantime.
1: Exactly. Um,
0: so um, whoever I chat with, I do like to start at the beginning. So I know that you're from uh, Miami originally. Um, how long had you been in Miami before you moved to Atlanta? And were there sort of any... Um, early experiences or inklings you had early in your life that sort of laid the groundwork for your passion in acting?
1: Oh, well, with Miami, I was born in Miami and um, we stayed there until I was two years old. My my oh, okay. biological father passed away when I was a baby. Mm-hmm. And so that's when my mother moved away, you know, kind of uh, just too many memories for her. So she just wanted to get out of that yeah. environment. Um, he passed away of a uh, lupus. Um, but I would say in during my childhood, you know, um, I think especially, you know, back in the day, we had to have more of an imagination. We didn't have the, the iPads and iPhones and stuff like that. So um, it always was a kind of escape. I was always be acting to myself and creating stories with my toys and all all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's always been something that I wanted to do. And um, just really through watching TV and and movies, I didn't see the the... Representation of myself on screen—I know that's a right. you know a term we use now—but you know when I was a child, I didn't see much of myself on TV, and I wanted to start it to to start creating stories that you know uh, presented more positive images of, of black men in America, and not the stereotypical stuff, you know. Even though, you know, a lot of roles I even turned down, you know, because they're always like, you know, thug, drug dealer or something like that with no redeeming qualities. It's just like mm-hmm. you're that that kind of thug or whatever. And I don't like those types of images. So I got mm-hmm. into acting because um, I wanted to tell more positive stories. And, you know, through doing theater acting, I just really enjoyed being able to get a reaction out of the audience and, you know, whether it be a laugh or just make them feel something i just love that avenue of storytelling
0: right absolutely were there any sort of um films or television shows you watched growing up that heavily influenced your um, i guess what you're doing today is there something specific you can point to
1: i would i would definitely definitely say forrest gump i remember seeing forrest gump you know before i'm an adult and can critique a film and all that kind of stuff I just remember thinking that this film is everything. It was a drama. It was a comedy. It you know, it, it evoked emotion, it had action, and it was like that one movie that I felt like had everything in it. That was the first movie of that kind that I had to- you know, seen at that time. You know, of Mm -hmm. course, now we have Guardians in the Galaxy, big fan of James Gunn. But at that time, Forrest Gump was like, it was everything for me.
0: Um, So as I mentioned previously, you're not just an actor, but you have basically worn every hat behind the scenes on various projects. Uh, Do you have one love in particular? Was it always acting? Because I know acting is what you initially um, started out doing. Or did you learn over time that something else kind of... Um, was more of a love of yours
1: um well this kind of you know kind of goes back to what i said earlier the reason i started wearing the other hats is because you know i got into acting and you know with acting it's like you always have to wait for a role and so i wanted to create more positive images of, of black men on screen so I, of course okay. you have to be in control of the story so i learned writing or well let me take that back i started studying writing Mm -hmm. and when i got ready to do my first short film i quickly found out it's not easy to get people to work on crew because obviously they want to get paid and you know i didn't have a budget so i said Mm -hmm. well you know what i'm not gonna stop so i took about you know a year and a half break and i started studying cinematography lighting sound design and you know i already was a musician so um but that's how that came about i said well i still want to get my short film done so i'm gonna learn how to do all these things and wear all the hats and still get it done you know, it's not mm-hmm. because I want to, but because I had to, you know.
0: Right. You felt like it was incumbent upon you in order to bring about this representation that you felt like was heavily needed in exactly. films. That's awesome. Um, so you mentioned how you studied these various, whether it was, you know, editing or sound design or what have you. So um, tell me a little bit about that um, training you had to go through. Was it just going to college, taking classes? Did you do any sorts of Specific training to teach you how to do these positions, or was some of them just learning the ropes yourself?
1: Well, I would say the first thing I learned, I um, I did a lot of standing work, and I I was talking to one of the cinematographers on set um, of a show I was working on, and he told me, you know, he, I think the way he said it was, he said, "What do you call my um, my uh, my position?" And I said, "Director of photography." So he said, "That's the first thing you need to learn." And so I started studying photography and, mm-hmm. you know, I wish I could have paid to go to school, but I did right. YouTube university, okay. um, That's you know, great. and, and I just study like so many channels and so many different filmmakers off of YouTube, read books, um, read articles about it. And then, you know, you get the hands-on practice. I, I bought myself a Nikon D3200, I think it was. And I don't think anybody would try to film with that, but I said, this is what I have and I'm going right. to learn to learn to do it with this. And so, yeah, just just a lot of studying, a lot of studying, you know, 18 hours a day sometimes just going through YouTube.
0: Right. I mean, honestly, you don't even need to pay to learn how to do some of the stuff that, you know, you want to learn when you have a resource like that. So that's awesome. Um, So I know you were born in Miami, moved to Atlanta when you were very young. But was there any point where you felt like you had to live in L.A. or felt like you needed to since this is really where a lot of the opportunities were?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, before, yeah. I, before I even started, I, um, you know, I thought you had to have a lot of money to like I thought you'd have to be a millionaire to even get started right. into acting. And um, I always tell this story because I'm very thankful for it. I was at the library one day and a, a guy was looking at my computer and he asked me what I was you know looking at. And I said, oh, I'm trying to figure out how to get into acting. And he led me to a site that led me to extra work. And, you know, mm. I started, it wasn't much here at the time, but I started doing extra work and started learning the ropes there. And I, that's when I figured, you know, it's not too much here, but I think I can start here in Atlanta. And by the time I thought about moving to L.A., the industry had moved here. And I said, I'm, right. I'll am I'll stick it out here a while, you know, um, but I definitely want to visit L.A. more often.
0: Right. No, yeah, it feels like a lot of the time there's just as much opportunity there as there is here in a in um in LA, you know, you always see the Georgia peach. I feel like at the end of every movie way, <laughs> when you when when you look at the credits, so for sure. Um, so um, I want to switch gears now to your projects. So you've been acting now, I would say for about fifteen, almost twenty years. I would think. Yeah, but, um, so mm-hmm. right. So after taking on, you know, several um, low budget probably films and shows at first in the minor roles during your early years in the industry, you eventually mm-hmm. were able to land roles in really major shows like Atlanta, NCIS New Orleans, um, True Detective. So did one of those experiences sort of when you bumped up to sort of that level of you know mainstream shows, Did was there one certain experience you had that proved to be influential in your acting moving forward?
1: I worked on a show called Valor and mm-hmm. then I think that helped me book NCIS. And I remember both of the directors pulling me aside uh, and pretty much saying this in so many words, like, you know, you have you have a, you know, uh, you know, kind of like a it was a co-starring role. But, you know, I just I just worked on maybe one or two days. But they both said, like, you have so much more in you. And for them mm-hmm. to pull me aside and say that I'm not saying that, you know, they haven't said that to any other actor. But it right. was like back to back, you know, two shows that I had worked on and they both of the directors said that. That made me realize that you know i mean i kind of always thought i had it in me but it was like a confirmation you know that I, I can really do this that they saw something unique in me they say you know you're saying this lines and you're you're being a detective or in the other show i was being a soldier but they say you have so much more in you and i i can't wait to see it
0: and for it to come you know from a director of a network you know show that's watched by millions that must carry some weight to it i would think that's awesome yeah. Um, So there's definitely no shortage of huge, you know, A-list talent on these shows that you've worked on um, during that time, whether it was like Donald Glover, Mahershala Ali, Scott Bakula. So was there anything in particular you learned from them about acting or the industry, either directly or just by, you know, watching them operate on set while you were working that, you know, you carry with you to this day?
1: Definitely. I would say uh, uh, actually I could say a a lot about a couple of them, but I would say um up front for me was mahershala uh and it's not it's not necessarily the acting My, me myself I'm like a deep empath so sometimes mm-hmm. I can be really chill and but sometimes when things are um, if I feel like people are being uh, not treated uh, correctly or mistreated or anything right. like that, it kind of bothers my energy and it makes me really upset. I'm just being honest, like I can be the nicest person <laughs> or the meanest person in the world. Right. Like I hate to see people who bully people, uh-huh. but Mahershala's energy on set, he seemed to be able to control the energy of the the, the entire set. And I don't want to sound, uh, for lack of better words, hippie-ish or anything like that, but he, no, no, literally, no, no, no. he literally seemed like he controlled the energy of the set. Like his calmness seemed like it brought a calmness to the set. And that's the type of, you know, person I want to be on set when things are going crazy or yeah, I'm not saying things were going crazy, but even if they aren't, he just seemed like he really was the, the, the core of that set when I was working on it. And even if things were trying to get crazy, it seemed like he just controlled it. I, I can't really explain it, but it was like almost mm-hmm. supernatural. Like
0: it doesn't sound any different from how he comes across, you know, on screen or, you know, when you see him in interviews, I bet. Yeah. Right. He, he's the same. He's the same behind the scenes. That's awesome. Right. Um, so. So at what point in your career did you feel like you needed um, some type of representation, like an agent, in order to land these roles? Because I know you probably didn't start off having representation. So um, when did you feel like you needed to have that? Um, it's
1: something I always felt like I needed to have. And I think yeah. I've only had an agent now maybe maybe five, maybe six. I would say I think like five years of my career, okay. I had been I had been begging agents forever and doing uh, a lot of theater and stuff like that and i would get turned down back to back to back to back to back mm-hmm. and um i think it was one day um this uh my agent she's not my agent right now but she's the one who started the company sue i think she saw something of mine online and she offered to represent me and it just came out of nowhere after begging people forever mm-hmm. you know she 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 took a chance on me and i i thank her for that um but yeah I've, i mean i've always known it's important but uh i just I think god made it happen at the right time though
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and it obviously proved you know beneficial for you with you know the shows i mentioned that shortly followed after that for sure Mm -hmm. um so um i want to touch on your behind the camera work um which you know i've said that you have no shortage of having taken on different roles at what point in your career did you feel like you had the resources and i guess time necessary to express yourself creatively on so many projects over the last few years.
1: When I when I began writing and it kind of the first one was because I wanted to get it done. And uh-huh. then I, I did kind of fall in love with it. And I think at after I did the first one, even though I'm a type of person who appreciates what other people do, it made me appreciate the positions that everybody plays so much more. And for someone like me who sees myself one day, you know, being that Will Packer, or that Tyler Perry who owns a production mm-hmm. company. I want to know what everybody, everyone's job is, number one, so I can respect it more, mm-hmm. but also know how to choose the right people to do those jobs. And I understand that UPM, the you know, production manager, is in control of that stuff, but I still want to have some insight to what everybody's job is and how they do what they do.
0: Um. So some of your more recent films from this past year include Pastor's Kids, Double Dads, and I think the most recent one... Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but is a seat at the table? Will these mm-hmm. all be released soon online for people to watch? Where can people watch them?
1: Well, I've, most of those were um, well, the double dads and pastors' kids were uh, pilots that we shot or sizzle reels um, for my writing partner and I, and she's uh, Jessica Burnett, is an amazing writer. Um, uh-huh. So we shot the pilot to um, pitch pitch her um, her tele. i um, sorry, her sitcom. Um, But, of course, as we know, COVID happened, so we're still trying to get that stuff together, and hopefully we can pitch that stuff soon. And um, that's what those were for. And I think the Seat at the Table was uh, for a lighting competition, actually.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah. I tell people, to this day, I don't think I've shot any short film that was strictly narrative-based. It's always been competition-based. But, um, yeah, seated at the Table was, uh, we had 12 hours to see how many different unique ways we could uh, use lighting in one single room. And create a short film from it, so that's where that came from.
0: That's interesting, though, that you mentioned that all of the films you've done have been competition-based. And like, do do you feel a certain sense of pressure or energy going into writing those scripts than if it weren't competition-based?
1: I I look at it as a way to you know get myself out of the comfort zone and and want to practice the craft. Um, I know. And I don't have anything against. It. I know a lot of people, you know, maybe try to shoot short films or get them, you know, the ideas sold. But I just look at it as practice, you know, for when mm-hmm. I'm doing something bigger. I don't want to jump straight out there and do a feature film my first or second time around, you know. I just look at them as practice to perfect my craft because every time I do one, you know, I have to be my worst critic and I look at them and say, okay, I would never do that again. I would do that this way. I would do this better. And so it's just a learning experience for me, really.
0: Um, You mentioned how, you know, your real primary motivation for getting involved in film and television production was to portray um, accurate representation, which um, is very critical. So is that the, um, like, common theme or message that is sort of shared amongst all of your projects? Or is there anything else that's sort of a common thread through all of these
1: Well, that's definitely, that's one of the main um, themes. And my second one is, it seems, I guess a little vague because it's not a log line, but is bringing together different backgrounds. You know, um, I think, um, excuse me, bringing together people of different backgrounds because right now with politics and the racial tension, Mm -hmm. it's just so much that makes us think we're different and we're each other's enemies. And it's like, we're all on the same exact level. And for some reason, you know, the powers that be or whatever you want to say, have us thinking that we're we are each other's enemies. And it's just like I'm just trying to show that, you know, we're all fathers, we're all mothers, we're all uh, brothers and all that kind of stuff. You know, just because you one person grew up in the rural country doesn't make him that much different from somebody who grew up in the big city of New York. You know, we all have common um, common ground that we, we can all um, agree on. So um, that's one of the the main themes of most of my screenplays.
0: You you mentioned what's been going on nowadays with the um, racial unrest happening over the past few months. So while you're writing these days, and since this was, you know, representation, you know, matters, of course, in your films, had this pandemic both with the coronavirus, but also more importantly with the racial unrest, has it had an effect on your writing over the past few months or will it? Is it going to be a message that we might see in your upcoming projects?
1: Well, the thing was I was always I was already writing around right. this type of stuff already. So, but it's mm-hmm. I have learned a lot. And I a lot of people don't know this, but I guess I could say it now. So <laughs> sometimes I'll just bait stuff on Facebook. I'll just say something to see how people react because right. I'm I'm actually building characters off people and they don't know it, but mm-hmm. you know, just to see how different people think because you can write a character based on how you per- perceive someone, but that may be not how they're thinking. So I want to see other people's perspective before I write a character that's based around, um, you know, that perspective or background, I guess you would say.
0: Right. That's a really interesting way in helping you with your writing for sure. Um, So do you tend to rely on the same team whenever you're starting a new film in terms of the cast and the department heads behind the scenes?
1: Um, sometimes, you know, cause a lot of times, you know, you work with your friends, you know, I work with my yeah. brother a lot and my, my writing partner, Jessica, but I mean, I, I really just try to cast who I feel like would be the best person we put out casting calls and, you know, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm an actor too. So nobody wants to really do unpaid work, but we try to make sure it's a quick shoot and whoever responds in is the best, you know, the best pick, you know, I don't always just choose friends. I want to make sure just like you would do on a higher budget, um, picture that you just pick the best person um, to pick the archetype to fit the archetype that you're trying to uh, cast
0: mm-hmm. yeah and I bet there's no shortage of actors in Atlanta
1: right oh no not at all yeah. not at all
0: yeah that's great um so I want to get into your newest project which I feel like is honestly you know your biggest project to date, which is the 24th. Um, It was just released on streaming um, a couple weeks ago on August 21st. Um, What is the story of the 24th and how does your character fit into the overall storyline?
1: Well, the 24th is about the the 24th infantry. And in 1917, they wanted to go fight and, and, and defend their country in France and, you know, fight in the war and participate and earn their honor and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And they end up getting stuck at, Camp Logan, pretty much overseeing the construction workers and make sure they stayed safe. But, you know, we were fighting one war as a country at the time, but they were also fighting the war of of racism back home. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you think you go over the waters to fight a war, but you got to fight the water right here at home. And um, Lucky is just uh, this kid from, you know, the rest of the guys, you know, some of them have been incarcerated before. They've been soldiers and they signed up for this. But Lucky's a kid from the backwoods, and this is fun to him. You know, why everyone else is complaining about digging <laughs> ditches, he's loving digging ditches. He's, he thinks it's fun. Um, he's just, you know, glad to be out his, his little small town. And um, he's pretty much like the innocent kid who's like the little brother of Boston played by Trey Byers. And um, so, yeah, that's that's Lucky's whole deal. He's just an innocent kid, just excited to be
0: in the Army. All right. Tell me how this role came about and what were your first impressions when you read the script?
1: Um, uh, My first impressions were, were like a lot of people. I have never heard the story before. right? And, um, you know, as as I after I graduated and went to college, I just I hate to say it this way, but the truth is a lot of the history that we were taught in school is not accurate at all. And um, there's a lot of hidden history. And so that's that's one of the things that stuck out to me. I said, this is a story that really happened. And I think it's important that it's told um, But it just just the courage of the, the people. You know, like I always say. We always say, oh, if I was in slavery or if I was back in Jim Crow, I would have done this or that. But when you're playing the role and you embody it, you realize just how courageous some of our parents and grandparents were to live through these um, different situations. And um, it just was important that the story was told. Uh, That's Mm -hmm. what I I feel like.
0: Um, So The 24th is directed by Kevin Wilmot, who just won the Academy Award last year for Adapted Screenplay for Black Klansman. He's very much known for his collaborations with Spike Lee, having also done Chirac and earlier this year with Defy Blood. So were you a fan of his films before working with him? Had you watched some of these movies?
1: I Honestly, I had just watched Black's Klansman, um <laughs> maybe a few months before. And I, I won't lie and say I was a fan, but what made me a fan was to see uh-huh. a Black writer win an Oscar. And right. that's I think that's when I, I really got on the boat. Um, and that's just was um, it was inspiring. Like I said, it's just the same as the representation of the little kids who looked up to chat with Bozeman, um, mm-hmm. you know, God rest his soul as Black Panther. It was just seeing that representation, someone who looked like me doing something that I wanted to do. And so, yeah, I was definitely just uh, excited to meet him and work with him. And he's very humble. Um, right. So, yeah, I was I was definitely excited about that.
0: Definitely. Yeah. What was the working relationship like with Kevin when you were on set? What was it like to work with him one-on-one? I, I
1: think Kevin is one of those directors that realizes, I, I can't remember where the saying came from, but they say uh, 50% of directing is casting. And mm-hmm. it's like after he, he cast someone, he really trusted you to deliver. You know, he didn't try to over-direct and he just really um, trusted you to be um, what he's cast cast you to be. Um so I, I just really love the aspect of it. He gave you a little, you know, the freedom to be the character that you created.
0: Yeah. And you know, this had to have felt sort of like next level, you know, directing in terms of someone that you know, who the person who helped this project had is an Oscar winning writer director, which is something that I'm sure you hadn't experienced working with yet on a project. Mm. So it had to have felt like, you know, you you went up to the next level in terms of working on the 24th.
1: And oh, working definitely. With Kevin. Definitely. Yeah. And especially when you see Michael T. Williamson and, and, yeah. and
0: Thomas Hayden on the cast, you know, it's like you had, you're you there. Yeah. Um. So what was the audition process like? Were you auditioning for Kevin in the first audition?
1: No, actually, I, I auditioned on tape. I, I sent in okay. a, a tape for one role. And then they sent me a second audition. I was like, "Oh, I wanted that role, and they yeah. they sent me to audition for something else. And then I ended up booking that role, and then when I got there on set, he was like he he said he saw something in me and wanted to oh. give me the role of lucky. so um mm-hmm. it's that whole story is just uh, kind of fantasy like in it, in itself. but um mm-hmm. so yeah, it was mainly just taped auditions and then i I um kind of auditioned in person once I got there and and got the role of lucky.
0: Okay. Which role did you audition for at first?
1: At first, I auditioned for the role of um, the role of Sergeant Clinton that my friend uh, Cranston Johnson ended up oh, playing. okay. And um, then it was David's, and then I ended up being lucky.
0: Okay. Interesting. Um, so this cast, I mentioned a few of them before, but it's really an unbelievable cast. Um, you know, y- you mentioned a few of them, Trey Byers. Um, Mo McRae, Thomas Hayden Church. So what was it like working with this particular bunch of actors?
1: Um, everybody was really laid back. And that, that's, um, you know, I've I've done extra work, standing work. I've done, you know, co-starring on shows. And a lot of them are great. I'm not saying any are bad, but I have seen some very uh, <laughs> uh, uh, people who cause drama. Let's just put it right, that way. Right. But everybody on the set was really relaxed and calm and Trey himself being the writer and the producer and the lead in, in the picture was very humble and um, uh, just made everyone feel at home. You know, there was no kind of animosity or just any of that. No, no kind of division. It was really, really chill and laid back.
0: The film obviously has been getting a pretty good reception. Um, lots of positive reviews. How has this um, felt for you over the past couple of weeks? Um, hearing these this heartwarming response towards the project.
1: Um, it's, it's, it's been really good. It's been really good. You, once, you know, when you do a picture, you want to felt like you were a part of something that, that, you know, impacts the world or that people can enjoy. Um, that part of it was great. Like, especially working with an Oscar winning, uh, director and I got a little shout out in LA weekly, which was a first for Mm -hmm. me, you know, I haven't even been in the local news. So that was like, Oh wow. I
0: saw that. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So that was really nice. Really nice.
0: This project now behind us, um, you know, this is a very uncertain time, as I mentioned before, but is there anything sort of out there on the horizon? I know you're currently writing right now, um, but in terms of acting, do you have anything out there that um, you're ready to um, grab onto once filming is able to resume?
1: Well, I, I had I had talked to um, two producers. I actually did a table read a, a, well, a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember. It was a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and they showed some interest in um Uh, uh, casting me and the project they're working on but like you said we're just trying to figure out uh when things are really going to open back up you know we keep hinting at it's going to open back up but you know i'm just waiting for that that go ahead and um actually converse with another producer a while ago too so we're just um i'm hoping something comes through you know I'm, i'm ready to get this ball rolling and you know let the industry know i'm here and hopefully get introduced to some more producers and studios and just, you know, get to work. and
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that you recently, um, or I don't know how recently, this won the Silver Award at the LA Shorts Fest, Guns, which you're the star in. What, um, what was it like working on that?
1: Oh, yeah, that was um, with some friends of mine, Diego Silva and Kelly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was a project that Diego wanted to do for, I think he said, a couple of years. And um, he was just trying to um, translate it to English. Mm. Um, Diego's from Columbia. I think I said that correctly. But um, yeah, yeah, so that's a project that he wanted to work on for a while. And um, so, yeah, we just got together, I think it was last summer and and put that together. And so, yeah, (laughs) it won a couple of awards. So, yeah, we're very excited about that.
0: And um, one more project that I came across, I wanted to, you know, get an update on that. Skinny Dip, is that something that's happening? I know that Quibi picked it up from the CW and you're in that. Well,
1: they haven't um, exercised my option yet, and I'm not sure where they are. And I know they just um, they just added some writers, so I'm not sure where they, we are okay. in the in the process with that. So uh, you okay. know, we'll see what's going on soon, I guess.
0: No worries. Well, those table reads and meeting with the producers over the past couple weeks—that must feel pretty encouraging um, during this very tricky time for the industry, Definitely. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, Lorenzo, thank you so much for coming on. I really do appreciate it. This has been great.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in. Please take a moment to subscribe to The Hollywood Podcast for free on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Until next time, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Max Geshwind. Thanks for listening.